Nikki Isles, hello. Welcome to the Jazz Podcast. How are you doing? I'm fine, Rob. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. It's our pleasure, Nikki. I was just counting back. Um, We released a trailer in November of 2016, proudly stating that you'd be on the pod, Um, (laughs) ambitiously stating that you'd be on. And now here we are. So I'm very happy that you're here and we get to talk about your amazing music and your brand new album face to face as well. Great. Yeah. Well, God, I didn't, I didn't realize you've been going so long. Well done. Thanks. Yeah. You're you. This will be episode 243, I think. And um, yeah. And it will be uh, almost seven years. So yeah, I'm just like, I just refuse to stop. That's my, that's my plan. <laughs> good for you (laughs) yeah it's fun anyway um your album face to face has come out today um it's the it's the 17th of november and uh and i think that's the release date so we can celebrate and um prior to its release there were a few singles out so first of all we had listened to the track misfits which is the first track of the album um, but before we dive into it, just tell us a bit about the whole, tell us about you, tell us about the project, tell us anything you fancy. Oh, well, where do I start? Um, well, I suppose I've gone into, I've gone into this phase. This was uh, after lockdown, funny enough. Um, I got a commission from the uh, International Society of Jazz Arrangers and Composers. And when we were all feeling pretty awful, um, uh, I even stopped playing the piano for a bit. I found it too painful. Um, but this commission came along. It's a COVID commission. It's an American um, organization. Um, and I kind of went to it every day, uh, almost like therapy, um, writing, you know, no pressure. There wasn't a deadline on it. Um, so it kind of got me back into writing for bigger forces. And I've always written, you know, commissions from Nigel and um, various bits and bobs, but never had my own band. And uh and then shortly after COVID, um, the NDR were, I think that they've always been scouting around for, you know, new composers. And I think probably due to COVID, getting the Americans across was more difficult. So the Percy Purse Club told quite a few of us, like Gareth Lecrane and, uh, uh, you know, people that were writing for Big Band, throw some scores in. And I, I that, you know, that feeling of, oh, it won't be good enough. But uh, I thought, what the, you know, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Go for it. And uh, if you got through the first phase where the uh, the chief conductor gear, um, you know, he, he sort of weeds out the ones that maybe wouldn't quite make it. And then the, you get a play, one play of the tune, and then the band vote. Uh, they don't know who you are. It's all, um, I think it's anonymous. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I got through that and then got offered a week and I've been going back. Um, so, it, so this, although I've, I have my own band in London, they record everything. I mean, it's an incredible thing with these German big bands. They're commissioning new music every week. They have new music. So, it's, I mean, you can't imagine that in Britain, can you? No, it boggles the mind. It would like <laughs> every week as well. You know, I've done, I've done my own album of new music once every five years, and the thought that like every week you'd be in an ensemble just playing new things, it is like yeah. it's like the kind of thing you dream about at college, but doesn't seem real. Yeah. So, so. you know, it ended up. You know, the, they recorded this, um, some of my older stuff, you know, um, for the broadcast, because that's part of the thing. They're, they're like the BBC. They have to broadcast to the <laughs> the nation. Um, so things have gone out. And I thought, well, you know, it's so expensive, isn't it, to 
pay people you know to actually do an album I already had these tracks and uh, they were lovely and um, allowed me to use those for the album so it's and it's kind of like a um, bit of a you know milestone for me it's all that music from you know some new music some older music and uh, and at the moment you know today's the day I go into the the uh, into the studios in Hamburg. I'm here now um, with a whole new set of music as well. So, <laughs> wow! So yeah. there's 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 so much to talk about with this, and it's really interesting to understand the process that this. So this originally was a radio broadcast, and then do you take like literally the 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 versions? They record it for broadcast and then they like give you the masters with their permission so that you can release it as an album. Oh, no, we do it with them. They gave me more time in the studio to actually do fine tune right. things. Yeah, because obviously for broadcast, you get it out there. But, uh, um, you know, it gives you a chance to bring out some bits that, you know, got lost or, you know, just the thing. And it's and it's uh, I quite like it because it's nobody overdubs any solos here. It's just your. It's a live broadcast, and you can't really do any. Um, you know, if somebody plays anything wrong because everything's spilled. The only thing in the studio that has a screen around it is the drums and the percussion. Yeah. Uh, um, so it's it's live, you know. And it's so many things can be, you know, the life crafted out of it. Out of it. Um, yeah, totally. You know, so it's what we did on that day. So it's. Uh, I'm happy to put that out, you know. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. It makes me so happy. I mean, I know this show's not about me, but I'm just in the process <laughs> of doing singles for my new album. And we did it the same way. Like there's spill and it you got what you got. And if you didn't like it, you shouldn't have played it, which I love, you know, and it just makes it real, which is what it should be. Um, and so the overdubbing thing with the solos as well. I I I know everyone has their own preference for that but it's always annoyed me a bit it gets a bit self-indulgent if you like don't play over the band wait till later and then have 10 tries i'm like just do it just you know things happen in the moment and there's an energy in the moment that i think is not worth forgetting about so to think that it was all done like that is really cool because it sounds incredible thank you (laughs) so tell us about the new set and what it is that you're up to today well, it's been uh, a, I've been working from home. It's um, I got the post as a composer in residence this year, so it's been a really uh, interesting year. You know, from being somebody that's run around teaching, playing gigs, writing all you know, and the writing a lot in the cracks. You know, late at night, and uh, mm. and to have you know, I I just had a year off from teaching, so to have that time was was great, but if I was honest, it was quite tough at times, you know, it was quite um, isolating, you know, in the house, cold house. <laughs> and, just uh, to be composing all the time, you mean? Yeah, just be composing, yeah, just sat there and you're on your own and, um, yeah. you know, the band are obviously here and I'm, um, you know, I know them much better now. So I've really been able to write for the personalities in the band and, the you know, the, the NDR are, are known for, very characterful players you know so it's it's been really interesting you know you've got somebody like Torsten on lead trumpet player uh, yeah the lead guy and he was Bob Brookmeyer's favorite all-time lead trumpet player in his new art ensemble so the history there is for me and um Ingmar Heller on bass you know I just so respect 
where they've come from because I you know I love that music. Then you've got some younger players like Florin Weber and um uh Julius Gorlick and you know they're you know uh what's his name? Um sorry edit that bit. <laughs> um Florian's on ECM so he's an incredible improviser you know in, in the classical bits the uh, classical crossover area too. And people like Percy, Klaus Stotter um and I bring uh uh, Yanto Ian Thomas from from London, um, but unfortunately, so we've, I've just heard a couple of them have got COVID and are sick. So I've just been writing. I was writing for alto clarinet um, specifically for this one tenor player. So it's been really nice, you know, like writing for their strengths. Yeah, and the the program is called A Love of Imperfect Things, which so, ties into what we just talked about. It's wonderful, and and. Is this a new set of music that's being performed live, like alongside the album launch? Yeah, well, it's it's, it's come at a funny time, really, because it's all come at once. So um, I've got the Elf Harmony, the big concert hall in Hamburg this Friday, and a gig in Hanover. So this will be all the new music. We have three, uh, three four hour rehe- four four hour rehearsals this week. So a whole new set, ten pieces, um, but London. Um, well, Misfits actually is part of this set. Um, I did use that for the album because I needed a more up-tempo tune. So that was the first thing I wrote, actually. But um, it's kind of been like um, a, a diary for me for a year, the pieces. You know, it's like uh, the love of imperfect things. It's just a very ordinary life, my life. <laughs> and all the things that uh, finally been able to write, not not to brief, you know, like you've got to write about this or that, and just letting things come along um people events um things that annoyed me made me angry like things like wars and um <laughs> yeah uh, and just being able to get straight into this uh the composition you know it's been really i mean it's been tough at times you know because it's you're facing yourself yeah which a couple of times it's you know you think oh gosh i can't i don't you know it's just i think if people were honest most composers would say it's tough <laughs> yeah i guess the difference between being a composer in residence and just composing is that this time around they're like waiting for you to write I know. something yeah, that's a different... yeah I tell you I'm, I'm feeling it a bit this morning because uh yeah but um the thing is i know i've i've got better at uh knowing what works you know the more experience you have you, you... but there's i've left some things which i'm not sure whether we, they will work <laughs> but they're such great musicians I think it's good to try those things that aren't stock things that you do, you know, as if, uh, you know, I've veered into, because there's a great percussionist called Marcio Doctor, and I, I really love his spirit. And Yeah, he plays so, on the Brecker Brothers um, WDR. I remember the name oh, that's right. from yeah, the book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. so, you know, trying to, because I'm a, I'm a jazzer, really, you know, at heart, and, um, but trying to make sure he's, you know, because some people, you We'd only do a jazz set, and maybe not use all the musicians. But uh, so I've, I am delving into some areas where I'm, I don't think I'm an expert. <laughs> so with with Marcio, are you writing him just like vague ideas, or are you letting him just do what he thinks? How do you work that? Yeah, well, I've I've it's kind of gone into this. Uh, tried to write a slightly Venezuelan. Uh, type of thing you know with a bit some free thing almost an English folk tune in the middle it's it's funny how it came out thinking about him I know I don't know the specifics that you know he's he's an expert of course so I have 
Um, often I'll give him a melody part. If I want certain thing, I'll I'll put the kind of instrument. But, you know, I, I don't want to pin him down when he's the expert. So they, it's lovely, actually. It's, I'm, I'm looking forward to it this week because we haven't got the pressure of recording. That's going to be in December. So it's about kind of almost workshopping it and seeing what works and and handing it over to them. You know, I mean, that, that's an important thing for me um, in as being a leader, you know, to try and get them to invest in the music and not be telling everybody what to do. I mean, obviously, I need to give direction because of, of certain things, but... Um, I'm even going to play some accordion on a couple of tunes so I can be in the band, which I love. <laughs> yes, that sounds absolutely amazing. I love um, I love the accordion. It's such a beautiful instrument. Yeah. Um, uh, how much will you will you play very much? Will you just play a few things? Just a few things because I mean that kind of sound can you know you end up sounding like you <laughs> when you come to Paris or something <laughs> for every tune. So I, only for the things that it really would be. Lovely. So, you know, something like this Venezuelan tune, um, there's going to be no drums for the first part. You know, it's just going to be percussion. And I think I've got two sopranos, clarinet, bass clarinet, accordion, you know, um, and acoustic guitar. You know, it's that kind of just a very different, not the usual big band. When you you write for these people, for the NDR, um, do you already know what all of their doubles are like with the woodwind or do you just write whatever you fancy and then they can play it well they they gave me a list um initially but you then find out where their real strengths are you know like um luigi grasso on baritone he's actually a fantastic bebop alto player great composer he's on baritone and bass clarinet but he's a brilliant clarinetist too and they i remember them saying to me if you want to write for five altos write for five altos that's so great (laughs) But the only trouble is when one of them gets COVID, the alto clarinet, yeah. nobody else plays. It doesn't travel. But but that, you know, it's bespoke music. They're paying to have bespoke music. So I've had to rejig it quickly for the clarinet for whoever comes in now. But um, but thank God for Sibelius. <laughs> yes, I wanted to ask you about that. So because this all started with you submitting a score. Hmm. Uh, do you submit that on Sibelius or would you have submitted that? Because you, uh, you used to handwrite everything. Well, yeah, I mean, I still, my whole process is still on paper, you know, at the piano. Um, And it's kind of a a thing where it's very much, I I don't write with bar lines to start with, so it's very much sketch, like the first page. I mean, Pete says, God, I don't know how you see anything on that page. It's like a splatter gun of... (laughs) Your husband, Uh, Pete, taught me for a while at Academy, and one of the first (laughs) things he used to do was, like, get your manuscript and put in your bar lines. And then you well, that would be maybe if you're doing an arrangement, yeah, you know, or something. It was yeah. it was octet arrangements, yeah. but I, and I remember he was really strict about using a ruler. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think um, just in those initial stages before you get to that, I find the thing of just try not to be too judgmental on idea, a bit you know, like a playful, almost mm. like thing of just jotting down the fragments, you know, and uh, then it goes to. Um, I still don't put bar lines in. So a lot of my tunes, although they're quite, I would say they're melodic. And I know that's probably not the thing to do these days. <laughs> no, it <laughs> but, is. It is weird. It's like it's not trendy, but it is. It should be. Like melodies, what it is that we have to listen to and enjoy. So I I agree with you. It, it's weird. It's weird. But the right thing now. is, Michael always says, Oh, you think it's an easy tune, and then you play the part. And it's like all oh, these little things, um, like a five-eight bar or something that catch you out. So um 
Yeah, so I, I, I really, until the last minute, I'm, I'm on three staves. So it's like the melody, any counter stuff on the second thing and, and any bass line or changes. So it's very, I try and not get into the thing of um, orchestration, well, the orchestration, um, composition, um, well, and, and just all the whole, that whole thing is, it can be quite separate. Do you know what I mean? The orchestration shouldn't be sort of maybe started on beat, you know, on day one of writing your arrangement that comes later. It's just getting the, the strong ideas down if you can. So, yeah, but the, the, the um, the Wild Oak tune that went to the NDR, Tom Smith copied it for me. He was an alto, great alto player and now has his own great big band. And yeah, so he copied. But actually, I've, I've found it quite useful by accident. You know, things, it can be creative, like trying things out. I mean, most of it, I, you sort of, I, I know what I want, but then um, by accident, I've cut and pasted something and thought, oh, that, that's actually, <laughs> I quite like that. Or yeah. not cut and paste, I've moved something. Yeah. And and it's gone wrong and uh i've discovered something that i like <laughs> yeah that is fun isn't it with sibelius there's an element of it being a like a playground and i know yeah a lot of my best work comes the longer i can resist listening to anything back the further mm. i'll go in because sometimes my intention comes out perfectly and sometimes it doesn't but like you say that surprise sometimes i listen back and it's as if somebody else wrote it but i quite like it and then yeah. You know, and I can't do that. I do. You have you have an amazing knack of being able to write a work at manuscript and actually know how it's going to sound. But I'm a bit of an addict. Because, I think it's only probably the younger generation have that. I don't know. I think I, I find with for me coming from our generation, the kind of ear the thing in your head um, down onto paper is so much quicker than the pencil for me and fiddling around with, you know quick mm. you know on the computer so um that's the thing i want to be quick so anything that kind of stops me doing that but it's a really useful tool you know but it's funny when i had my um laptop nicked um actually at tom smith's gig in ronnie scott's i had it uh, stolen it's a brand new laptop and i had three oh. new of the NDR. oh i and remember i remember this i remember you saying about it yeah sorry I, I, yeah it's come back to me now well, the funny thing was, because I had somebody help me to set the um, computer up, but they forgot to put on the um, iCloud thing. Um, so none of the arrangements, they just went. You know, oh, I, hadn't, I had no, no backup or anything. And that week I had off and I just sat at my desk until about, well, from about eight in the morning till 6 a.m. for about six days. I was shattered. But I managed to retrieve three of them more or less out of my head but the bits I couldn't remember at all were a few backings I put in straight to the computer, which I thought was quite interesting because I I remembered all the decisions like, no, that's that's not good enough, or that no, that's a bit that's a bit lame, and I'll go that way. Do you know what I mean? I remember those things of just sitting and, um, yeah. So it was an interest. I mean, it was, it was horrible, but um, it was kind of interesting about how how much is invested in. In you know from your ear and uh, how much you know you, you remember of it you know yeah it's pretty depressing that someone would like sneak into Ronnie's to steal a laptop but it's equally incredible that you're able to sit down and re and redo it I don't think many people would be able to you know I really don't it's I'd just be like oh I give up I think I'd retire <laughs> yeah so how did you go from 
submitting your score anonymous. Oh, which piece did you submit when you sent one in anonymous? Wild Oak, actually. Wild Oak. Oh, wow. Okay. And you went from that to composer in residence. How did that happen? How does that work? Well, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Well, actually, Axel um, was the manager for many years, you know, um, who worked with Mike Gibbs and had all those great, you know, they have a great relationship with English musicians with the NDR. Colin Towns and Kenny and Norma and all sorts of people. Um, and I think that after I'd done the first week, maybe first week or maybe going back to do some gigs, he took me to his office and he was leaving actually. So there was a new manager coming in. Um, and he he asked me if I'd be interested. Um, and yeah, <laughs> Bob's your uncle. Great. Do you <laughs> so think that? had anything to do with the score that you'd submitted you know and that they'd become aware of you and your writing at that point well I think sometimes people have uh maybe a couple of strong charts but to do a whole kind of production you know you need eight to nine ten charts um I think they were said you know sometimes they get people to come in and then the maybe other charts aren't as strong or something but I think they realized you know I'm still trying to <laughs> Well, you know, whatever you know, they um they seem to like <laughs> the rest of the music, so so they wanted some music for them. I think that's which so great. Good. Well, so they should, Nikki. You're one of uh, the most, as far as household names go in music, you're you're one of the most well known musicians in the UK. I would bet. <laughs> Everyone I ever have taught already knows who you are, and if I tell them that I've even like know you it usually they're like no way that's so cool partly of course is that you've got loads of amazing pieces in the exam syllabus and so more musicians than you could probably imagine have come up playing your pieces yeah and... well I, I think that's just as important as doing the more highbrow thing I really do I really feel quite passionate about that you know and uh even those books I did for OUP you know the seasons you know when my friends... oh I love what like jazz on a winter's night and all those in, in autumn, my friend who worked on the, the jazz syllabus went to OUP actually, and he got Pete and I in and said, if you could do anything, what would you like to do? And I said, some decent Christmas music with lovely chords, and but not too difficult, you know, so anybody could have a, a crack at it and have some interesting chords. And so I feel that really passionate about that, you know, having good music at the less experienced level or, or for people that aren't jazz musicians as well you know because it draws you know it gets people into it doesn't it and then hopefully we get more audience and um, or more appreciation for the music yeah you're so right I've got a student who's 17 she's been playing piano for for probably 10 years but she wanted to start saxophone last year complete beginner and, and for me the being able to Give her a sax, give her the ABRSM jazz grade one and grade two books. And even those simple melodies, like things are getting better, do, 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 like beautifully arranged, really interesting chords. You know, she can come to it as a beginner, relearn it for like two weeks. And already it's like, wow, this sounds great. And that's just so nice that you don't have to have a period of like three or four years before it starts to sound good. You know, like you said, it's engaging straight away. Yeah. We're in. Yeah. Loads of that. Obviously, you and your husband Pete have 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 put these arrangements, like either original pieces or amazing arrangements together. But we all have so much to thank you for. Oh well, it's funny how you sort of end up. I ended up 
getting in. It was a funny one because often people are saying, how did you get into this, you know, to do all that stuff? And it sometimes that thing of, I don't know if you, it can work like this now. I don't know. But I know my my whole musical life has never been, well, has never been that thing of thinking, right, I need to work with that person and then pushing every door down to do it. I've, I've pretty much naturally you know, ended up with the musicians I love playing with and and things have come, you know, surprisingly sometimes. And then if you work hard, then you... But the board thing, I was brought in at the end of the piano syllabus only to do some editing, which I hadn't a clue what editing meant, you know, and I got told off on the first go because it was like, am I editing the chord symbols or what am I doing? And then my now great friend, Hal Davis, kind of told me how to do it. And then, then I became commissioning editor for the horn syllabus. So, you know, we gathered all those people, had some great old barneys about what should be, you know, quite rightly, with people from all different parts of the jazz community. And I I tried to book on the on the um backing tracks, you know, people that were right. So, you know, some of the older players who were great at swing, and then people like Julian Arguelles and you got you know, Stan Saltzman, Ian Dan, Dixon. Yeah. yeah. Great flute playing from Stan and Andy Panay and and um, I mean, they even had to tell Andy Panay to rough it up a bit for some of the <laughs> sort of uh, <laughs> <laughs> stuff. He was so good. Uh, um, bringing his show show mentality onto the. I know he's amazing. Yeah. But you know, I think I think they're a great resource. I mean, sadly, they're not doing. You know, a lot of people do those as a bit of fun, you know, as well as their grade five violin or something. So I had a meeting last week and they're looking more into refreshing the piano and having backing tracks. And so it's, it looks like something might happen there, which is great because we need to finish off six to eight. That would be amazing. First of all, the backing tracks, because when you enter pianists, they I, I know it's like slightly typical of your life as a pianist, but, you know, having to accompany your own solo... <laughs> It's too hard. It's really hard yeah. when you think what a sax player gets away with. Like with my student, Charlotte, I'm playing the piano. She's playing sax. You know, it's just so much easier for her. And also, I guess it's a different kind of learning if there's chords underneath already for you to play over. But, um, and grade, yeah. grade six to eight would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But it's, it's still that difficult thing if you've got a teacher who's maybe, a cla- you know, an enthusiast, but still a classical. You can't expect everyone to you know understand chick career's harmony or you know so yeah. that's the challenge and I, th- I think we've got some good ideas wow oh i look forward to seeing what what comes of it because um i'm sure your idea of good ideas is really um it really must be a good idea <laughs> so what's coming up then what's in your what, oh by the way just before i this album cover is gorgeous Oh. face-to-face cover with this picture of you how did you get this to be when i i just think it's one of the most loveliest album covers and it's really like warm color lovely photo you know it's like makes you really want to listen to the music well it's funny dave stapleton at um edition records um i had had some more at the piano kind of photos done you know about six months ago and i thought one of those might be in it somewhere and he said no i we, we don't want um uh, more kind of posed at the piano or instruments. We, we're trying to make it more of an artwork. So I looked at some of his other ones, you know, and all sorts of things with Jasper and Miho and all um, more of a statement. So, uh, but they were very, and I was thinking, oh God, I, you know, I don't want to 
wear a funny hat or something or not be me in a way, you yeah. know. So and they were really nice and they really wanted me to feel comfortable. So what I did in a sort of desperate um uh, attempt to sort of find something mad to put on the cover. Uh, I just ordered the a lovely Indian antique wooden bird cage because one of the tunes is the cage bird, um, and it it was literally the week before he came to my house with that backdrop, that big mustard backdrop. Oh, that's and, real! Wow. Yeah, it's a big roll of paper in my living room. Ah, oh, brilliant! I figured it yeah. was like a green screen. It looks too. It looks so pure. Yeah. And then the designer, Ollie, um, he was lovely. And it's funny because there was a more serious one because um, he, he didn't really want me to smile because I suppose a lot of the time I am smiling. But then when we had them done, I actually liked a more serious one, which is one I've just put on Facebook. But with the design, in the end, they all said they like the smiling one because it reflects the music more, you know, and yeah. yet another jazz album with everyone looking moody. It's just not me, you know. No, I love this photo because it's so you. And you're right. The, the moody thing is a little overplayed at the moment. You know? It's great. I mean, for, if, the, if the music's like that, of course. <laughs> um, you know, when you get, well, I know, I know we you don't see CDs so much, but it's the, the cover does either, well, it's got to kind of reflect in a way what's what's in there. Yeah. So what's what's in your diary? That was my last question. What's my diary, yes. Um Holiday. Yes. Where do you, are you going to go somewhere? Or are you going to just freestyle? Well, like the day after the London Jazz Festival, so that's the end of my kind of, well, apart from the recording, um, that's the end of my year for now. Um, so we're just going to go off to somewhere very quiet and lovely, you know. Not perfect. Yeah. Um, but obviously, because I've been writing a lot, some of the playing, you know, I haven't been chasing gigs and that, but um I've got gigs with my big band next year. I'm in a band with Norma Winston and Percy Persglove and Anders Morganson um, and a Canadian, um, great Canadian tenor player called Mike Murley. And that's doing Kenny Wheeler's music in Europe. So we've got gigs with that. Um, Gigs in Italy with Mark Lockhart and Norma and Enzo Zarelli in Turin and uh, yeah, so uh, more out of the country, funnily enough. And I'm teaching on the MA at the Frankfurt to do the Frankfurt Radio Big Band next summer. Um coming to Chet. Uh, yes. we'll, have to, we'll have to have a glass of wine. Oh um, yeah. What are you doing at Chet's? Well just I'm on the piano uh, course, but I've got a gig on the first night with Caroline and um, Steve Berry. Is that next group. summer? Yeah, next summer, yeah. So I'm going to, going off to um, Amsterdam to work at, with Pete and the choir. So it's a very lovely and varied. And I, I want to get back and stuck into helping the this grade six to eight thing, and um, obviously college, and uh, also write. You know, I've got a commission from Joe. Um, oh, Joe McCallum. Joe McCallum. Yeah. So she, again, a brilliant idea of like writing bespoke kind of big band arrangements for twelve year olds. So again. So Mike Walker's, I know Mike's writing one and I'm, she's commissioned quite a few people. So again, as I said before, just as keen to do a good job there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. What a brilliant thing to be involved in. Yeah. So it's kind of varied and I'm not sure whether to, you know, Middlesex has come sadly to its final year due to blooming Brexit. Oh, that's uh, such a shame. That yeah, was such a good yeah, course. Yeah. I mean, it's, we've gone into a big, um, a bigger music course so the jazz pathways you know and other courses are 
broadening out. So it's it's the end of an era. It was a gr- it was fantastic. So yeah. So I'm not. I feel very lucky to be doing keeping keeping busy. Love, yeah, with people I love. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki, thank you so much for coming on the Jazz Podcast. This has been amazing. So nice oh, to catch up. Lovely, and thank you for having me. Best of luck with the rest of them. Thank you so much. We're going to finish the show with Red Ellen. I picked this one because I got to play it with you last year. And when I heard it again, now I was like, oh, all right then. This is how it is if you really play it. (laughs) Um, So here it is, listeners. This is Red Ellen from Nikki's brand new album, Face to Face, which is out now.